This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to theonesummit.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome to today's podcast. Um, what do I even say about it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to introduce this one. I think I need to take a photo. Yeah, I think we are going to have to put a photo up because um, you'll die when you see where we are. <laughs> Or they're dying to know. Oh, it's the dead centre of town. And it's the most popular place in town because everybody's dying to get there. <laughs> so we came down to Brisbane and we dropped Taylor off because she had to go to a dancing um, day. And across the road is this really, really, really old, old, old cemetery. Cindy pipes up and says, oh, oh, let's go and have a look. Let's have a look. Let's find the oldest grave. Let's go and have a look. Oh, I get so fascinated about it. I say nothing because I'm gobsmacked. Kim's like, oh, are you kidding me? That would freak me out. I would be totally shattered. Absolutely terrified. No, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Needless to say, here we are. Cindy won. Well, I made a really good point. I said, no one will, will find us here. There'll be no loud noises happening. No one will be honking horns or driving past us or chatting away. You know, there's nobody here. No, well, it's just us she's three. Hey? No, she's <laughs> and so the first thing I did was I got out. Yes. Because I, I love cemeteries. I I find them fascinating. I love the history. I I read all the the markings. I try and find the oldest grave. I try and figure out, okay, where was the first person buried here? And I go and look there. And I, I got out and we found a family, didn't we? Or I did. No, you did. These girls wouldn't get out. We stayed in the car. I don't think we've got out of the car yet. (laughs) So I found a family and um, the daughter died first um, and she died at the age of 26. And then the second daughter died five years later. And then the father died five years later. And then the wife died 15 years later. So... Even you saying that, I'm thinking, all of a sudden I've gone into, gosh, that mother and father lost a daughter. Oh, my gosh, they lost a second daughter. Yeah. Oh, my God, she lost her husband. Oh, she was the last one. She was the last one. Yeah, and you look at my grandma. You know, my grandma had 13 members in her family. She lost six of her sons and her husband, and then she died. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this is where the history, and if you go to where my grandma is buried, you see all the boys' graves, Gedkin, 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 Gedkin. You know, it's all there. So, yeah, I, I actually... Where did this fascination begin? I don't know. I've always had it. I've always wanted to go into grave places and and, and read history. I, I love history. And, like, when I was 15, my parents took us to England. And so we were looking at 11th century grave sites. Oh, amazing. You know, and, and for churches. an Australian... And churches. And for an Australian, mm. that was really... Uh, yeah, really, really odd. But I guess what really um, lynched it for me, it's not really a good word, is it? Lynched it? <laughs> lynched it? Clinched it? Clinched it? Did she say that? Well, you make up words. I just thought I would start. Did she say that out loud? <laughs> See, it's the effect. Yeah. It is. We might think we're here alone. But we're not really. Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, what happened was that we went travelling around Australia for two years as a family and, you know, we would um, just take all these strange routes with our four-wheel drive where, you know, we didn't know where we were going. Well, we kind of did. We knew we wanted to go from A to B, but we had no idea what was going to be between A and B because it didn't really tell you a lot. So we'd been driving quite a while on this four-wheel drive track and we were crossing river crossings, etc. and we came along. A, a cemetery and I said to Howard oh let's stop let's stop let's look at this cemetery it's in the middle of nowhere I bet you it's full of intrigue and there's lots of stories to tell and what was really interesting as I was reading through each of the the graves there were 16 year old boys to 68 year old men that had all died on the same day and the whole cemetery was filled with this date that they'd all died 
And so in our mind, we're going, I wonder what happened. You know, was there a plane accident here or... But no, mass murder. it couldn't have been a plane accident in the 1920s or I think it was around the 1920s. Was it a mass murder? Was it a... Freddy Krueger. What, what was it? <laughs> Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what's that, um, the baby one that you always... Fre- um, oh. Chucky. Chucky. Did you call my daughter? Chucky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we were just intrigued. But anyway, we couldn't find an answer. There was no answers in the graves or in the, in, you know, anywhere around. So we got in the car again and drove on and we came to an old ghost town. And there was a plaque at the ghost town and there was a huge mining accident. Um, and it was one of the largest in Australia and it still is one of the largest in Australia. And every male that worked in the, in the grave or in the, the mine site died. How and so, of course, then the town became, you know, so to me, I, I like, it's something that I find where there's history and, and I want to hear people's stories. Like, I want a gravestone to look and, and tell a story. Mm. Like, I don't want just to have um, Cindy O'Meara, born 26th of September 1960, died, blah, 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 whenever that's going to be. I want them to say passionate about life and love nutrition and bury her in butter. I think it's our history and mm. I think it's um and I know there'll be people listening to this that will there are people like me, I want you to know this. I'm not alone here <laughs> that love to come into graves sites and, and just see. I, and I love ones that are in um homes, you know, there there's a home and then there's boot hill as you call it. And and you see a whole family's been buried there and a whole family's, you know, lived together and died there and and, and been buried there and, and spent their whole life there. Why are they so creepy? I and why is it at night time on a full moon and why does it all feel so weird? I think and that's all the movies. Though, I think hey? I think too. that's all the movies because the reality is very different. Yeah, but if you told me to whether I'd seen a movie or not, if you said to me, walk down... James Street in Brisbane at midnight or walk through Lutwick Cemetery at midnight, I would freak walking through here. See, I, would, I wouldn't want to walk. Like last night I finished work at 9 o'clock and I'm in an um, in um, industrial estate. There's no one there. And I realised as I'm walking out the door that there's not a soul around. And that freaked me out because of the live ones and, and what people are around that, you know, that, that could be around. And you're there by yourself. You're getting out of a warehouse and you're walking into your car. Mm, that scared no, me. That's... But to walk through here, not knowing there's any live ones here and only the dead ones, I'd be very, feel very but safe. But I'm not worried about the dead ones. Well, what are you worried about then? Well, the fact that there's no lighting that it's kind of dark, that spiders seem to be on grey. Oh, spiders, it's the spiders. <laughs> Let's face it, it's the spiders. <laughs> That's hilarious, love. I don't know. I thought that you were scared of the ghosty bit. Oh, and that. Oh, well, no, I don't know. Maybe I am just a product of movies. See, I can't handle horror movies. I freak. Well, I, I watched one when I was 14 and it disturbed me so much. I've never seen a horror again. But you've seen somebody pass away, haven't you? You've watched them as they've died. No, not no? as they've died. No. Well, to watch somebody die is probably um, – it's, it's an incredibly peaceful transition it's not what you imagine it's not the great thrashings or you know obviously depending on the circumstances but the people that I've seen who've passed away and I've seen about five I think and it's an incredibly it's an incredibly um it's not even emotional I can't even say it's emotional It's, it's 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 almost like it's the meaning of life occurring before your eyes there like birth it's the meaning of life occurring right there, and death is the same. It's the meaning of life just occurring before you, and it's, and it's the you that's normally there is not there because you're just in this total moment of watching a person transition, mm. and it's a very peaceful experience for the person. There's, I don't actually, I don't even know no, that I've I got agree. the right words for that. I agree entirely. I think it's to watch them do that, take their last breaths, is is is. It is. It's, it's quite an experience. Actually, I saw something on Facebook the other day and it, it, it said, what if that light that we see when we die is just the light at the other end of a vagina? Oh, <laughs> I did not know that's where you were going. I was not and expecting you know that. I cracked up. 
Well, what if it could be? What if it is? So one end is actually... I thought you were going to say something incredibly deep, like the light of the new beginning. No. No. No, you No, but that's kind of what she said. Yes, I know, but she just included the vagina word. That's all. Do you know? I laughed. I went, what if it is? What if that light that we all see that everybody talks about is just the light as you entering through another vagina? John O'Donoghue, the beautiful... That could be bloody right. That could be right. John John O'Donoghue, the the amazing... You just want to download his podcast. Well, not his podcast, his lectures. He was an Irish Catholic priest for years, but he's also, as he called it... um, He's spent many years in university for crimes he did not <laughs> commit, um, but very highly intellectual, beautiful to listen to. And, of course, the Irish accent just goes with it. And he was talking about that the day that he was asked, a young woman was passing and he was brought into the hospital and to be with her. And she was really afraid, really afraid. And so he sat with her and he asked everybody to leave the room and, and he talked very gently with her about what is it, what does it all meant to you, my love? What does it all meant to you? And, and she was just like, and he goes, and what are you afraid of? And she goes, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm afraid of, but, and she was really getting herself worked up. And then he said, he watched her look out the window and he just said, just focus on the light. And she, and he said, this calm came all over her. And she looked at him and she said, I'm ready now. And he, it, it, just the way he describes it is so beautiful. So he went back out to the family and he said, now go in and tell her what, what she's meant to you. Don't say, don't say, we don't want you to go. Just tell her what she's meant to you. Yeah. And everybody went in and shared that. And the doctor said she won't get through till 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And sure enough, she was gone by 9.30 the next morning. But the way he tells the story just gives me an inkling as to what you're talking about. I've never had that privilege. And what's fascinating is I've been at about six births. And when I became a marriage celebrant, I was really excited. And I did a number of naming ceremonies. So after the birth, these people wanted to name their children. And and um, this lady, my, my counsellor at the time, she said, oh, you'd be so good at that. She goes, have you thought about doing funerals? And I went, oh, gosh, no, no, I'm not ready for funerals. I can't do that. And she goes, hmm, you're a good finisher, not a great, uh, sorry, you're a great starter, not necessarily a good finisher. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've always got different ideas and starting new projects, but I thought that was really interesting. But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing what a gift it would be to be a funeral celebrant, to actually be the voice for the family in time of shock and hurt and upset and all of that. And the best funeral celebrants are the ones that really get in touch with that, but really honor the life of that person who's passed. So, yeah, it's interesting that we're sitting here in a cemetery and I've been asked if I would do a funeral and I haven't been able to do it yet. But maybe, maybe that will come. I, I think it's, um, I think we do funerals, um, the average funerals, I think we do them wrong. I don't know if the Western society does death very well. No, I don't think they do at all because it's part of life. It all it always happens. And I just, I remember mums, we did very traditionally. You know, we did the casket sitting there, um, the priest, who I didn't even know, um, and we were in the front and then everyone else was behind. And I don't know, I, I just, I remember my sister saying, I didn't even want to, you know, I can't stand funerals. I don't want to go to this funeral. And it was one of those I felt just drab, drab funerals, same old, same old, nothing different. But that's what my mum wanted, you know, and that's my mum, my mum was that traditional. So when my sister passed away, I thought, well, what would she want? She'd want a party. So we had her body cremated immediately. So basically when she passed away, I said, I want the body cremated. Uh, we don't want a casket. We don't want anything. And then we had a big party. We did. We did flaming zambukas. We did flaming zambukas. And, and, all, and all burnt our fingers. And yeah. it was hilarious. <laughs> and, that's, and she would have been hysterical. She would have loved it. Hmm. The Olympic torch um, relay, it was called. Yeah. And you just, yeah, it was, it was fun. And, and, you know, all we did was a, a few people could come up and say what they thought about Lisa. And thank God nobody didn't like her because <laughs> nothing was prepared, nothing. It was just a big party. Everybody came to celebrate her life. And I knew that that's what she would have loved. But I do go to funerals with the casket there. I've, I've been to a funeral with the casket there. It was a 16-year-old boy. And the mother 
who was Lebanese, um, shoved her way through everybody and started scratching at the at the oh. casket and pulling her hair out. And she was not, you know, of course, it's her son. It's her 16-year-old son. And uh, we were there because we were good friends with the brother. But, on, uh, you know, that was a funeral that has really stuck in my mind. And if the casket hadn't have been there and if they'd done it, I don't know, is there a, a better way for us to do death? You know, first of all, people are scared of death because they don't have a faith or they don't have a belief of what happens after death. Um, and I think that that's our religions. You know, it's fire and, well, mine was fire and brimstone. You know, you go into the fires of hell because you're doing the devil's work. You know, that's what we were told. Yeah, if you, you did something wrong, you're doing the devil's work and you'll be going to the fires of hell. Or... Limbo, <laughs> or, or limbo. Limbo is where I'm in trouble. Um, you haven't been baptized, so you go to limbo. But then there's purgatory because you've sinned, but you're not quite sinned enough to go to hell. So you go to purgatory and waiting to go to heaven. Can we do a podcast on religion one day? Yes. So this is this is what my teachings were. Mm. This is what I was taught, and so I was scared of death until I watched my sister die. Yeah, right. And it was that that moment that I saw it as a, a, a type of birth because she took those breaths. Mm. You know, when a baby comes out, they take those breaths. Well, she took those breaths and then she left. It was just the, the reversal. That was the way I, that's why I saw it. You know, how, you know the ones that you've seen, would you? Well, I haven't seen a baby being born other than on telly. So um, I haven't actually witnessed what that bit's like. But the people that I've seen pass away, um, one was of, well, I can't really say old age because, I mean, certainly she was an older lady, but she had emphysema and another had cancer. Another was in a car accident. Um, uh, another one had cancer. Actually, two others had cancer. And did you see and anyone die in Bali? I did. Yeah, I sat. Oh, I didn't even include those ones. Yeah. I was going to say. I, was gonna, I remember you had that late, that girl. Yeah, there were two. There was um, one woman who, um, yeah, actually, but, but again, very calm. Still calm, there. Very, very calm. Um, even though she'd lost limbs and, you know, was clearly in a lot of pain. But when the actual transition came, there was no pain, there was no moaning and groaning, there was nothing. There was just the last couple of breaths. Um, and then the fellow who I was sitting in between his legs in the hospital, he was obviously, he was just burnt to within an inch of his life. But there was no sound from him. There was no sound from him at all. I actually didn't know because I had my back to him, so I didn't actually know that he'd passed until I felt myself sitting in a whole bunch of warm liquid. Mm. Um, and then I turned and saw that he was, you know, passed. he'd clearly passed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I like how we say passed rather than died mm. because it, it is a, well, it my, feels better. Yeah, it does feel better. And, and, and my belief is that it is a passing, mm. that there is something that happens after we die. That I don't believe we end up. That's why I look at these graves as history. I don't look at them as dead people because I know they're not there. Mm. I remember when I first saw my first dead body, and, I, and it was a girlfriend of mine who had died of a heart attack at the age of 36 and left two very young children. And I remember going up to her casket because I thought, I want to see her, I want to see, you know. It's, it was unbelievable that she died. And I wanted to see her and I looked at her and I went, oh, my gosh, she's not there. Mm. That's what I first thought. Yeah, there's a vacancy. Yeah, mm. a vacancy. And then Anna goes, they've put the wrong lipstick on her. <laughs> oh, bless. That's what she said because she always wore a particular lipstick and she went, they put the wrong lipstick on her. And I oh. said, she's not there. You don't, you don't feel it's not her. It was, it was really weird. She had completely, you know, completely disappeared. Um, Do you know one thing I remember with each of the people that I've seen pass? At the time that I've I've watched them, there's been no emotion. Like up yeah. to up to them, you know, taking those final breaths, I felt incredibly emotional and incredibly sad and all of that. But then at the moment that it happens, there's absolutely no emotion. There's no emotion in the room. But what I have recalled feeling, and whether this is in my own imagination or not, I, I don't know. And, and I can't really reference it in Bali because Bali was just a whole, you know, 
just a quagmire of, of, of death and souls passing, I guess, if that's the way that I'm going to frame it. But what I do remember feeling was the presence of the person in the immediate moments after they'd passed. I felt the presence uh. of the person. I didn't feel that the person, I knew that the person wasn't in the body anymore. So the body became like a shell, but I could still feel the presence of the person, mm. but more intensely, mm. more intensely and without any of the um, projections that I had about them. Mm. So whether that's them or it's me, I, I don't know. But there was, you know, it was it was just, ex- oh, God, I wish I could have the language for this. It was just like an expansive presence of that person where there's no, um, you know, you're this and I'm that. This is who you are and this is who I am. This is my identity and your identity. There was no identity, not for me or them. There was just this expanded presence of this person but you knew if you walked in the room and they were in the room, you'd feel them. Mm-hmm. When they were alive, mm-hmm. you'd know that they were there. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing, but bigger, but much, much bigger. Quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Quite amazing. Yeah. And I think it's, for me, it's that, it's that knowing. I mean, I still miss the people. And I, you know, like Jodie and Greg and Charmaine and, you know, the people that I've lost in my life. It's, it's, it's knowing. And when I have the presence of mind to think of that, those times, it's that that kind of gives me a bit of relief from the grief, certainly, not, you know, I'm not grieving anymore like I used to, but it, even back then it gave me relief from the grief um, back then. So, yeah, it's, 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 quite, um, it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing to actually witness all of that and then to actually just be present to the reality rather than the story or the movies that you've seen. And, and, you and know, that, I think that that's right, you know, like when you actually experience and it's not through a movie and I yeah. think a lot of our experiences our horror movies and the the cemetery thing and yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. the whole because in this in the movies even the trees come alive I know I know I know <laughs> and there's always big black spiders <laughs> and crows and crows there's always crows there's always a yeah. crow and you and notice... a weird man with a with a sickle in his hand and a and a big cloak yeah, see we all have this image and it's not there this is this is history look what I love is like if you have a look at the graves around us they've all sunken you know and and then you know there's the imagining that someone's going to come out out of the sun, the sinking but it's they're gone why would they want to be here well you considering know? what else is possible yeah if we if we if we're using movies as a frame of reference what's that movie with robin um uh, what's his name <laughs> what's his name robin williams yeah the comedian the comedian yeah, yeah. he he's in a movie um heaven <gasps> Oh, he- oh, yes, yes, um, where he, he dies, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and he, he goes, goes on to heaven and yeah. because his, his wife committed suicide. So he goes after her yes. and then she's in this place called Purgatory, which is dark and black and dank and nasty. And if he stays there, he gets stuck there. Yeah. But he says, no, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to get stuck here mm. with you. You made this choice and I'm going to make my own choice. Mm. Um, and then he lands up going to this magical, magical place. I'm just trying to think. It's got the word heaven in it. Um, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> But it's a beautiful, I know the beautiful one. movie. It is, and it's all that colour in it, and it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I just think we, um, we as what, a... What dreams may come. That's that's right. Well done. Yeah, what I dreams may come. That. And it wasn't a comedy. No. No, no that was a very serious movie. Yeah. So what is both of your thoughts around death? Do you believe in afterlife? Do you believe there's something grander than what we're experiencing here? Do you both think there's more to this? And what's the meaning of why we're here in the first place? Do you want to say your – what about you? You have beliefs, don't you? Well, I want to hear yours first. You want to hear mine? <laughs> Who's going first? Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Um, before Bali, I was always frightened of death. Um, and I always believed that there was an afterlife, but I had no substance for that belief because obviously no proof and nobody that's here can prove that other than, you know, um, near death experiences, of course. But then when I was going through Bali and I was lying in the hospital, um, and I was coming close to losing my own life, I remember feeling an incredible sense of peace and calm. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, because I grew up in a very Christian, Christian, uh, um, family, although not religious at all. But I remember growing up thinking, you know, I do have a relationship with God. You know, God cares about me and he cares that I'm here. And I've always prayed and I've always had a, a – I've felt a very close relationship, though not religious. And when I was going through that, when I was in Bali, I remember thinking to myself, you know what, whether it's God or whatever anybody else wants to call it, was one thing I know, I never felt alone. I always felt like I was – 
the whole time I felt like I was the most important person in the world. Mm. I was the strongest person in the world. I was the most lucid person in the world. It was as if I felt if there was any if there was any language I could give to it, I felt like I was Jesus. Mm. Not that I was Jesus, but I felt that same sensation of of wholeness, of of calm and control and peace and everything in the world is right as it should be. Mm. And yet so since so then, much was going on around you. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so much death and disaster and and craziness and yeah, yeah. Isn't chaos. that amazing that that's how you? That's you exactly felt. how I felt. And since then, I've not been nervous of it at all. I've, I'm not concerned about death, and I don't have the same level of fear that I used to have. Because mm. I think that a lot of us, when we get fear, you know, f- the fear is always of the ultimate fear of dying. You know, like even if you know you have a, a, a if I had a fight with Matt, like and and it would be a bad fight. Not that we do have those, but if I did have that. I would go into a place of fear Mm. or if I was to think of, you know, like my dog at the moment, he's got cancer. And of course I have a fear around that, but the fear is for him dying. And then if if he dies, I'll die. Mm. So I think fear ultimately leads us to this fear of dying in the end anyway. Um, And I don't, I don't have that quite so much anymore. So I think, do we go somewhere after we've died? I would love to think that that's true. I would love to think that we do. And I would love to think that I would have a chance to, see Greg again and Jody and Charmaine and my grandfather and the people that I've loved that I've lost, you know, I would love to think that that's true. And that works for me if I believe that. But um, I don't let that occupy my thoughts while I'm here. Not anymore. I think I used to, but I don't now because I think life is for the living. And those are words that Jody left me with. She said, Kaza, life is for the living. And she said, and you're wasting every moment of it. So she said, just get on with it. But mm. um, if I die, bury me in a pet cemetery. Are yep, you? bury me with all the little kitties. Yep, bury me in a pet we'll put cemetery. Kaza. Because <laughs> that's all they ever have on there is Kaza. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Kim? What's What's your beliefs about death? Um, I think growing up, we were never a religious family. My mum had me at 16, so I don't even know if she knew who she was. Um, I remember going to my nana's funeral at nine. And I remember sitting there feeling really weird in this. I can't remember if her coffin was there or not. It just felt really weird. Um, and maybe that's because there was conflict in the family. Maybe that was what I was picking up on. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've been afraid of dying. and But not afraid of dying per se, more afraid of what it does for those left behind. Like at the moment... If you said to me, you're going to pass away tomorrow, like if I knew that today was my last day, I could honestly say I have lived a very full life Mm. and I have given it everything. I'm not finished yet, so don't (laughs) take me just yet. But I could honestly say I feel I've given it my all and I've learned a lot and I, I would like to think that I would skip and laugh all the way into that grave. Um, but the fear, if there's fear around it, is the thought of my children without me yet. Um, I don't like the thought of them not having me as their number one champion. Um, no one will look after your children the way a mother and a father will. Uh, grandparents might, obviously, and, ob- and obviously there's always beautiful friends and family, but you never know what it's like to be you know, you. They, they, I read a quote once that you never love your parents the way you love your children. children. Mm. And whilst I, of course, love my parents and absolutely respect everything they went through and all the things that they've done for me, I would die for my children, you know. And, and it's interesting because I never thought the world existed before the 28th of March, 1968. I thought everything was about me. <laughs> Um, and I noticed my children do the same well, thing. Actually, no, 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 the world didn't exist before the 1st of February 1970. <laughs> Just in case anybody was questioning that. <laughs> and I always, and we had a horrible history teacher at school, and I hated history. I used to think, what, move on, people, move on, why look back? That was my whole attitude around history until I went to, the, to Europe and England and stood in a church in Florence and realised that this was a 16th century church. And then when I saw the paintings of Michelangelo, Michelangelo, and I remember looking at the Sistine Chapel and looking at the intricate detail of the work and that he actually existed, and and 
oh my gosh, these people were real and these churches are older than my country times six. It just kind of freaked me out and hit me in that moment that it's thanks to our past, we are who we are today. And so maybe even sitting here in the cemetery with you, you've given me a different perspective on cemeteries because I've I've kind of thought, why would you bury someone? What's the point? They're not here anymore. And then I realized that actually a cemetery is for those for living, mm-hmm. that they have a place to somewhere come to, to come and, and... But I look at a butterfly and think of my grandma. I look at a beautiful ocean and a gannet colony and think of my sister-in-law. And maybe I just have a different perspective of what, their presence is to me so I don't know what I believe I've never had a Christian upbringing you know I would say more than anything we were Christians but never religious as such so I have no concept of Catholicism or I never knew what any of that stuff was about and that peace be with me thing that they say in a church I've never understood um and it's, it's peace be with you, darling. Well, that's the thing. I, I figured peace with me. <laughs> peace be with you. Yeah, well, I used to think bumblebee tuna because I never knew quite what they were saying. <laughs> so tuna. I would shake bumblebee hands and tuna? say bumblebee tuna at the same time. Because Anyway, I, I don't know. And I've never really given it any thought. When my sister-in-law passed away nearly 10 years ago and I had to present my children with the fact that their auntie had gone tragically, and would I let them, was it right to let them see the coffin with her in it when the last time they saw her she was laughing? That really challenged me to think about death and what it meant. Um, and I think I've shared this on a podcast before where I did decide to take the children and because a psychologist friend at school who was one of the other mums at school, I asked her and she said, if you can expose a child to death before the age of 11, they have a much healthier view on life and death than what they do past 11. I don't know what, well, I didn't know, I still don't know what validity that has, but I've never forgotten her saying that. So I thought, well, my children were five and six, I will take them. And when we arrived at the house and dear Zuzzy was lying in the coffin, I remember thinking I'd made the biggest mistake of my life because my children actually freaked out a little bit. They kind of, if you can imagine two young children just hiding behind their mother and holding the hand but hiding behind each leg. And I thought, I've made the biggest mistake of my life. And I'm so sorry. And I just, and I was trying to be, but I wasn't coping either. I wasn't showing it, but my heart was pounding. I didn't know how to deal with it. They would have been sensing it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah, they would have been sensing it. Because it wouldn't have made sense to them, like what no. that was. But yeah. I was being calm and I was trying to project calmness. But, you know, inside I was feeling that horrible kind of like, this is all so weird. Because it was such a shock to all of us. I think we were all still in shock. So then I remember saying to them, look, it's, she's a shell. She's she's not actually here, but we're here to acknowledge who she is and celebrate her life. And I remember trying to have this very dignified, mature conversation with a five and a six year old. <laughs> and meanwhile, watching my husband in a state because he'd lost his sister and trying to show, you know, everyone was dealing with grief in a different way. My girlfriend Lizzie couldn't even cross the front door. She could not look at my sister-in-law. She would not cry, and she freaked and was sobbing. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And and then we had the beautiful friends of, of, of her mother who were Māori, all singing this beautiful Māori song um, and, and just this music and this, 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 this voices, and it was so beautiful. So I, I had this constant, dramatic, beautiful, freaky, upsetting, <laughs> tragic, unbelievable, you know, love. Like there was just so many emotions. But then um, what was interesting was watching the children, so her children as well, and one of them was special, special needs, but they went outside and I said, let's pick some flowers. My job, I took on the role of looking after the children and all of this, and we were outside picking flowers, and then Ruby, one of you know her daughters, said, I want to go and give them to mum, and I went, okay, cool. So we all went back in and she led the way. And then the next minute, these four children are dancing around the coffin and they're putting in flowers into the coffin and they were giggling and then they're running outside. And it kind of was such a weird feeling to watch it go to that. I can't remember how long that moment was that it took to get to that. But um, And then I remember Jacob coming out and going, Mummy, I'm really scared. And she said, well, and I said, what, darling, what's wrong? And he goes, 
what if Auntie Zara sits up and, and starts telling a story? And I'll never forget that. And I just thought, oh, my gosh. You know, it was just so Delicious. precious. And then watching her grandmother, so my children's great-grandmother, who had weathered a lot in her life, stood up on a little step and leaned over the coffin and kissed her granddaughter on the forehead. I will never forget that image. And I wanted to take a photo, but it felt too precious to take mm-hmm. a photo. And it, But I'll never forget that. Yeah. And I, it was black and white to me. And watching a great-grandmother kiss her granddaughter on the forehead in a coffin was, again, it felt like a movie. So, look, I, I don't know, but I do believe, my belief, I, I don't know if this is truth, but my belief is we have a certain number of breaths on this planet and after listening to Wayne Dyer and and different people like that who believe that or their thoughts were depending on which doors you chose through your life so it might be at at the age of 15 there's four doors in front of you whether you go to university whether you quit school whether you become a hairdresser or whatever and you chose door three at 15 and then at 20 you're presented with another set of doors and you chose door eight And at 30, you chose door two, which was to have your first child. I don't know, but there's all these different opportunities. And John O'Donoghue talks about this too, that we we choose these different paths to go down, but no matter what, that day is the day we're going to pass. And their understanding and my understanding of listening to them was that depending on which doors you chose would depend on how that occurred, but it would not stop the occurrence. So for me to understand Zara's death was, yes, it was going to be through a psychotic episode and, yes, it was tragic and, yes, it was her taking her life on that day. But depending on the doors she had chosen, it might have been an accident if she would chosen other doors or it might have been cancer if she had chosen other doors or it might have been... This was just the way I tried to articulate and understand her passing at 36 years of age. So I quite enjoyed, that gave me great comfort listening to Wayne Dye and John O'Donoghue talk about those chosen lives, that it is, there's always going to be an end date, because I couldn't also understand why would a two-year-old die of cancer. Mm. So my, my question, though, to you, and you've really avoided it well. What? Was, where do you think you go when you die? Oh, that oh was I, didn't, I didn't avoid it. I think I just got sidetracked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like going, is she avoiding the question? Or, yeah, it was just, yeah, you didn't answer that question because I don't think I've ever asked you this. No, well, I don't know. You don't know? I have no you idea. You have no faith, no, no, nothing there? That you know, do you think, I don't you're, in believe the, do you think you're in the ground or do you think you're Oh, no, I couldn't stand somewhere? that. <laughs> don't ever bury me, no. And don't put my ashes at sea because the thought of being out there on my own, just no. I, I don't know. I, I think once I'm gone, I'm gone. So take my liver and kidneys and anything else you can for so someone else. that's your physical body. Yeah. But I do believe there's something grander and I do believe we have opportunities to be represented and, and, and come. And that's why there's a part of me that always thinks if I haven't cleaned up emotional messes with people now, oh gosh, I'm going to have to come back and do it again. So I might as well try and work it out now. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but. There has to be something grander to me. What is the point of all this? Why do we spend 365 days a year or perhaps 340 of those working our butts off to have a three-week holiday? Like why do we, you know, get upset about things? Why do we – why are some of us surgeons and some of us are – um, doctor, like why? What is it all about? So I don't know. I really don't know. And I don't care that I don't know. I don't mind that I don't know. Because to me, when I listen to John O'Donoghue, it sounds so exciting. And when I spent a lot of time in India, they believe it's a transition into a greater place and that you get more opportunity and a better chance to come back with more wealth or more opportunity or whatever. I just kind of think, well, cool. It's almost like there's a box out there with a gift wrapping on it, and I'll get to it when I get to it. But it's cool that it's there. I don't know. What about you? Where do you think we're gonna, you're going to go? I don't I'm know. talking to Karen, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is no other soul in the in the in here. Although I wouldn't be surprised. Well, you wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we go. I think too that we go somewhere else. Because um, I just think of it in the you know. I just think of it when you look at a baby being born, where was it before it was born? Where was that little awareness, that little soul, that little experience of, of, of well, you'd say person, but 
but where was that little thing before it was incarnated into the body? It was somewhere. So I figure we're going to go back to wherever that was, where that baby came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the baby usually comes in crying, so clearly it must have been a better place than this. So mm-hmm. I think it's got to be good. Some babies don't come in crying. They don't come in crying? No, no. Some babies come in, like Tania like, came like in. Like Yeah, no, Tania came in and um, I remember just holding her and she just had a, her eyes closed and she opened them and then closed them again and... There was no crying. She was calm. I don't remember her crying. And, and, you know, Mel Kent just had a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that baby came in a sleep. Oh. Yeah, they they had a free birth, so it was just her and her husband and, and the kids. Um, they were in a bath, and um, she gave birth. She delivered her baby, Audrey, herself, and Audrey came in asleep. She didn't even open her eyes. And then, of course, Mel's anxiousness came in, and so she kept blowing on her eyes. <laughs> to make her open up. And Audrey would open her eyes and then she'd go, oh, I just want to go back to sleep. That was hard work. It was hard work. And then she'd blow on her eyes again. And so, you no know, babies don't have to come in oh, screaming. Oh, beautiful? Yeah, they can oh, come in. Oh, that's beautiful. And then when they do come in screaming, my belief was that it's just a clearing of the lungs. It's not that they're unhappy. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, either way, I think that they were somewhere before they were here. Yeah. And I figure we're going to go back to wherever that is. And do you know what? Sometimes when I think that, I think, oh, my gosh, then who was I before this life? Yeah. And when I have weird dreams or when I have amazing thoughts that I'm flying or that I'm under the water and I can breathe or something like that, then I think, oh, maybe I was a fish or maybe I was a bird or maybe I was a person who flew planes. I don't know. I go into this hole. I'm just really not sure you were a fish. No. <laughs> well, I she reckon, hates. Can, she won't get in the water with me. Yeah. Well, I reckon I was hooked, <laughs> and, and I died a traumatic death, and therefore I won't get back in there. <laughs> You're too funny. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, like when being brought up a Catholic, we were always told we would go to heaven, but where was heaven? But we could have gone to purgatory, limbo, or hell. You know. So we had four places we could choose from, depending on how well we lived our life. And I remember being absolutely hysterical about death, afraid of death. And as I left Catholicism and started to question everything that I'd been taught, I started to go, what if I just end up in the ground? What if that's what this is all about? What if there's nothing after this? And I would get afraid of that. And I had a lot of fear around death, lots of fear around death. And I would get myself into quite a state right up until um, – my, my late 30s probably. And then with the passing of Mum and Lisa, um, I, ha- I had a whole new look of what death was all about. And then by what I believe, my sister guided me to a book um, that was um, that I read. And from that book, I read 15 other books on that subject. I became very, very... Um, uh, what's the word, had a great faith about where I was going and all fear of death left, oh, wow. left completely. So my my belief is all stemmed around um, Michael Newton's work. Um, it's probably very um, Asian or, or Indian belief in that we come to this planet, we do what we need to do, we learn lessons, we leave the planet for a rest and it may not just be this planet, maybe other planets, but this is the planet I, I'm on now. And we travel in soul groups, so we have connections and we travel together throughout lives. And and I and I believe that I'm you know I'm here for a reason. Um, learn my lessons, learn what I've got to do, move on. I know I'm not um, a category six soul, which is what Michael Newton says is there's not many category six souls on the planet because they they know don't need to come back for lessons. Now I, I sometimes I ring Kim and go, I'm just a category one soul. That's as high as I've ever gotten. You know I've lost my temper. I've done this. Just a category one soul. So. Um, I don't know where I am in that realm, but I do believe that we come back. And I follow uh, Brian Weiss, his books, Many Lives, Many Masters, and I've been to one of his seminars, and I actually had a lot, um, a uh, not a near-death experience, but a regression 
Oh, wow. Yeah, had the most amazing regression. And um, this regression was, it was so amazing because I haven't been able to have one and I've been doing all these, his audio tapes and everything and I've never been able to do a regression. And I thought, well, maybe I've never had a life before. Maybe this is it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I actually go to him and, and have a regression with him in a live audience. And he says, now, you're about to cross over a bridge, so we're, we're put into a, um, a relaxed state. And you're about to go over a bridge and there's a fog and then the fog clears and I want you to tell me what you see or you want to, you know, you tell yourself, you don't tell him because there's 500 people in the room. And I want you to tell me what you see. And as the fog lifted, I saw this amazing field of, of green grass with little white flowers. It was so crisp and clear. It was a blue sky. And in the distance, I could see amazing mountains and a glacier that came down the mountain. It was so clear. And I kept thinking, I'm making it up. This is just in my imagination. I'm making it up. And then he said, I want you to look down at what you're wearing. And and I, I look down and at first I see nothing and I think, oh, well, I'm dead. I'm just a soul. And then I look again and I'm covered in furs. So I've got, I'm, I'm, a mammoth, I'm one of the mammoth hunters, basically one of in that era, I was in one of those eras. And we so wonder I'm, where Bear Grylls came from. I was from. just about to say the same thing, and I'm, therein mm-hmm. was born Bear Grylls. <laughs> but I travelled alone. I didn't travel in groups, but I would, I would go to groups, and I was like a sage or a healer. I don't know exactly what I was, but I knew that I, I educated um, as we – because we're hunter-gatherers, so we would, you know, go to these groups – and I have such an affinity for the hunter-gatherer. I have such an affinity for that time. I love anthropology, you know. It was, and they say, you know, there are people who love Egyptian times and, mm. and they have their past life experience and they're Egyptian or something. So I, um, he said, then I want you to go to your deck. So I go to my deck and I'm, I cannot see myself, but there's, I'm above myself, but, there's furs everywhere and I'm laying on furs and I'm covered in furs completely and there's heads. There's lots of heads around me. Alive. Um, they're alive, yeah. Oh. They're just, oh, yeah, they're alive. Like they're <laughs> looking down at me and they're praying. I think they're praying, you know, like it's mm. a, they're all ritual. Just a ritual or something. Mm. I don't know exactly what it was. And then I remember crying, going, I'm not ready to leave. Don't take me now. I'm, I've got so much to do. And, and I remember even at the time I was getting when I was doing this regression, I was getting really upset and I was actually crying at tears coming down my eyes. It was just, um, and, and it was so real. And that was months and months and months ago. I did that regression and it's still real. It is still so real. And you know, when you have a dream, you forget it. Mm. You know, when you have an imagination, you forget it. Yeah. This is something that I feel like was a part of my life or a, p- a part of who I was. And so I had, I just, I just found it interesting. And then he, he did a progression and he asked us to go to our future. So he said, I want you to go 150 years in the future, 500 years into the future, and then a thousand years in the future. Wow. So my 150 years, I was a Jap, I was Japanese and I lived in a dome and, um, I had a blessed life and I just remember being protected, but still alone. I was alone. It's quite interesting. I was always alone. And then my next life, I was a, a young boy, a ragged, living in a revolting planet. There, it was famine. It was, it was deserts. It was a horrible, horrible planet. And then in a thousand years, I was back to my field with my white flowers and my mountains and my glacier. But there was a volcano on the right-hand side. And I looked at myself and I was alone again, but I was wearing hiking shoes and um, clothes. I looked like an explorer or not an explorer, but somebody that was looking. I felt I was looking for somewhere for for humans to live again. Uh, it was weird. It was just mm. like, and I went, oh, my gosh, I've gone full circle in a thousand years. I go back to that place. You know, and I and I'm I'm off to you know um, Sweden and and Denmark, and I often think, oh, is that where that place is? That's what it feels like to me, Northern Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Northern Europe. Will I see that place? Oh, you know, Will wouldn't I... that be amazing yeah. if you did? And there are people that say, you know, there are people alive today that can um, go to a town and know they've never been there, but know where everything is. Yeah, yeah. And know where all the little is that what they call a déjà vu. Is that a deja vu? I don't know. So I have an unbelievable 
completely strong faith. I have no fear. I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to see my mum and sister again. I've seen them already in dreams, you know, and they've spoken to me. So, yeah, I, my, my belief is that we definitely go to a place and, and it's another realm. It's another, it's not, mm. it's not, and it's not, it's not linear here. and it's not time. Mm. Um, like as I, as when my, my sister died, I went, my gosh, it's going to feel like a lifetime to me, which it is since I'll see you again, but it'll be a blink of an eye to you. Mm. So yeah, it's for me, um, yeah, I don't think it's something to be scared of. I think it's something to really look forward to in, in when it comes. Has that got more easy for you as you've got older and you haven't got young children? Like, do you feel like you are not needed by your children now? Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to die. And that's, I feel the same. If I was taken now, yeah. I would be going, don't take me. I got too much to do and, and too much, I'm too much with my kids. You know, they still need me. They're in their twenties and. Oh, and our podcast is so young. We can't have you go. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how I, I was. I felt like I hadn't done my life's work, and they were taking me. Whoever it was was taking me way too young. Yeah, and I'd feel that now too. I'd feel like, no, no, I have too much to do. I've got lots to do and lots to learn and lots to teach. And I know, but you've also got to realize if you were taken, you've paved such a path so far. Now that with enough of enough of a following that your work would not be unnoticed now. So you, I mean, yes, there's plenty to do, but I think even the three of us, when I look at the lives we've led and what we've all done, there's a heck of a lot of living that's been done in this, I was going to say room, but we're actually in the car, um, (laughs) at a cemetery. Did we say that? Um, um, And there was a car that just appeared up there, and I did not see it up here. And, and an person, old lady walked past. An old lady walked past. And, and then a man with a dog walked past. Shut up. See? See weirdnessity. See, people come for their daily constitutionals. Yeah, they do. The cemetery. You what? Think about it. it they is come quiet. for their daily walk. It's quiet. It's peaceful. Have, we haven't heard the usual, you know, there's always someone who walks in the door or something happens. This has been the most quiet podcast, I believe, we have ever done without interruption, without anything. Hmm. And you know, you know, <laughs> you know, she's Kim still just, not convinced. She's not convinced. You know, just going on from what you were saying about, you know, you've led a path. Uh, it's so interesting because my daughter's in Canada at the moment and um, she's tripping around Canada and she bought a book, Primal Mind, Primal Body, which is by Nora Gorgadis, which I love. I love her book. And, and so Casey bought this book and Casey's a fantasy reader. So she reads a lot of fantasy books and she goes to university. So she reads her fantasy books to escape. So she's reading this book and she, she, she writes me a text um, on Viber and she says something like, um, you know, where, I don't, you know, I'm getting so many, what, are the, what does she say? I'm getting so many, not ahas, but. Epiphanies? Yes, something about the book is, it's giving her. And I said, darling, what is it that you're getting? And she said, I have so much work to do. I have so much more to learn. I don't know. This has just opened up my eyes. Aww. So I thought. You know, like, and she wants to come back and work with me once she finishes oh, her university wow. degree. She wants to come back and work with me and learn more about nutrition. And mm. so, I, it's look, it's lovely to see you're 20, you know, she's nearly 23. <gasps> What's the date today? It's tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's her birthday tomorrow. Okay. Mm. So she, you know, it's her birthday. She turns 23. And, um, and I just think, oh, you know, like at 23, she's getting it. She mm. realizes that what her life purpose is and where it's going. And, and, you know, maybe I can die happy that. I've allowed, you know, got them on another path that can carry that on. And as we've talked about our businesses, my business is not my lifetime. It, I want it to go, I, I, why do we stop it at our lifetime? Why can't it be a 500 year plan as opposed to, you know, you're when in 10 years, you know, we all think in 10 years, mm. if we all thought in 500 years, I think that we wouldn't be raping and pillaging the land as we do. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was watching, and I know this is getting off the track, but it's made me think, I was, I was watching the CEO of Nestle talking about people and the rights of water. And he says, people have no right to water. It's a commodity and it should be sold and it should be privatised. And I'm thinking, how do people think like this? What a loser. This is if you're listening, CEO. Mr. CEO of Nestle, you suck. This is the he would CEO. Never listen to of, He'd never listen of, to this. No, he wouldn't listen to this. He's the CEO of Nestle, which is the 27th largest country company in the world and one of the largest, I think it is the largest food company in the world. Mm. 
and that's his belief. No wonder they're producing, you know, crap pig foods, as we were talking about last week in our hospital um, feeds. What's both of your beliefs on karma? Mm, that goes around, comes around. What mm. goes around, comes around. Ooh, good damn question. Jolly good. What's yours? Don't flick it back at me. <laughs> you two keep flicking it back no, at me no, and no, I ask the question. But we always think, well, you've asked the question because you've got one. Yeah, so you, I went no, first. I've got the question, not the answer. I went no. first last time. You go first this time. <laughs> um, oh, 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 we're getting a bit competitive here, aren't we? <laughs> Your turn. Look, I, I do have a belief that... Um, that that you should give out your best, that you should be kind, that I don't like nastiness and I don't like that attitude of a Mr Nestle and I mm. but then that's me judging that. So then I try and not become judgmental of that and just understand that that's his beliefs. But I do feel you know, if you steal – like, I lost my sunglasses the other day at the picture theatre, my beautiful Prada's, and, you know. Oh, did you? A little bit of a – just a little treat that I bought myself in Dubai, and I love them. But oh. they were like $500 glasses, and I didn't pay that for them. But the fact that they were just such beautiful sunglasses, and they fell out of my bag at the picture theatre, and, and I knew it was at the picture theatre because my bag got knocked when one of the kids got up to go to the toilet, and it was too dark, and I didn't see it yeah. and whatnot. So I rang the theatre straight away and they said no. And then I even went into the picture theatre the next morning and I said, look, I know I was in picture theatre number seven. Oh, this is my seat. Please, they would have been left here. And she said, oh, no. And then she came out and she goes, look, I have to be honest with you. No one would hand in a pair of sunglasses like that. And I thought, mm. karma, the person that's just taken, like if I found someone's sunglasses like that, I would have to return it because I know what it would mean. To, now, this I'm just talking about a silly pair of sunglasses, but I have the same belief when – I take from you or I use you or I abuse you or I, you know, if I have negative feelings about you, then I just believe that's a reflection of what I'm thinking of myself. So karma to me is, um, I don't know if you get paid back for doing something bad, but I don't believe there is a price or an, an amount or anything you can put on doing good or feeling good. You cannot... You cannot articulate the value in that. So for me, doing good, my karma is just that I feel so good for doing that. But when I do bad, if I can, if I can find it in my heart to apologise or to become aware of what I've done and make up for it or whatever, then my learning or my lesson and understanding around karma is that I, I heal my own self. So I think karma is personal rather than you'll get you'll be done for that Mm. Um, because then I look and feel so sorry for the person that's done wrong and have compassion because then you don't know their path they've walked Mm. or who they've been or what they've had occur in their life in order for them to do something like that. So Mm. I try and have real – I try and go a step up and looking down and into the world rather than judging it from a human perspective and I really try hard to do that and I don't do it very well at times, I will be honest. Um, But we all – I know, and I think that's part of being human, you know, otherwise we would be Jesus or Buddha or God maybe. We'll have learned all our lessons and we'll be on another realm. Mm. So this is what the planet's about. So I don't know if that's karma, but thanks for putting my question back to me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? Um, I think I have a very similar view if I'm to to think about it. I don't think, you know, I think um, what we do to others we do to ourselves because I, I do have a belief that we're all connected. So if I hurt you, then I'm ultimately hurting myself because I'm the one who lives with that, what I've done. I'm the one who lives with that in my head of what I've done because we know if we've done something that's not right or we've done something that we're ashamed of or we shouldn't have done or we could have done better, we know. We know what that is. So as much as it hurts the other person, it also hurts me. So I believe that that's kind of, if karma's a, if karma's a thing, then that's probably what it is in that moment. As opposed to, like you said, Kim, it's not like you do something and then some, later on you go, oh, you're going to get somebody's going to get you back for that. Um, so, you know. I do think, though, like you were saying then, there's people out there that aren't aware, mm. so they unintentionally hurt, abuse, mm. um, judge, criticise, all of those things, or they're just harsh in the moment when they're having a meltdown or whatever and they don't realise the implications or the repercussions that that has on another human being. And if they did, they would be very sorry when they realised the pain that it caused. So for those that don't, because I'm sure we've all got these people in our lives that 
seem to not care about how they treat people or what they say and what they do. Um, but I would say that's more about an awareness than it is around a vindictive nastiness because if they were aware and they were truly um well if we knew better we would do better yeah and Mm. and i know myself when i've yelled or like i don't know if i can say this on a podcast but my my 14 year old son is really challenging me at the moment (laughs) and all mothers of 14 year old sons could you email me please (laughs) and tell me i'm not alone but um (laughs) i thought my son would be different but apparently he's not um (laughs) my grunting 14-year-old hormonal know-it-all beautiful fiend of a son um, is challenging me greatly at the moment. And if I was to think that karma would get him back, he's in a lot of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying very hard to think that this is just a transition. You know, like women, we get our, you know, when women get go through puberty and, and we get hormonal and we get angry and we get emotional and volatile and perhaps all those things occur with lack of maturity, then maybe this is a boy version. So I'm just trying very hard to stay calm with him on this and to, to teach values of kindness. That's my only word that I use. And in fact, Taylor even said this recently. Actually, both the children said this. Yeah, Mum, if you died at your funeral, because I don't know what came up with it, what we would say about people at a funeral, but Taylor said, I guess the number one lesson I've got from you, Mum, is to be kind. And I thought, well, if that's the only footprint I leave, maybe that's not such a bad one. But I really find it hard when people aren't kind to one another or when you do hurt someone, but your intention isn't to do that. Mm. You know, I think that's awareness. So I think we have to appreciate that the people that we'd like to bestow karma on, that are being mean and nasty and doing all those things maybe that we don't like, I think the karma is their own learning and they may not get it in this life. That's the thing I have to learn. I keep I live in a Pollyanna view that everyone will get it before we die and on our death's door we'll go, oh, my gosh, you're so right. No, um, But, you know, we might get it. But I've learned that some people they go to their don't. grave bitter and twisted and, and that's how they see it so yeah I think I see karma a bit like that I don't think it's tip for tap mm. I don't think it's you do that you'll get it back mm. I, I think it's all learning experiences and it may not be this life it may be the next mm. yeah and you know I, I think um we've done our hour and I'd like to finish on a, a gravestone that um since we are in a grave place and I haven't been wondering about this one this one's one in England and it's by a bishop um, that lived in, I think, the 15th, 16th century. And he actually put, he, I don't know who put it up there or wh- whether that's what he wanted on his grave, but apparently you can go to it and I don't know where it is and one, maybe I'll find it on my next trip to England. So it says something like this. When I was young and um, just become a priest, I wanted to change the world, but the, the world didn't want to change, so I, I realized I had to set my sights just a little bit lower and I started to work on my country. And my country didn't even want to change, so I set my sights lower and I wanted to work on my community. But it too seemed like it didn't want to change, so I thought, well, I'll work on my family and friends. And as I worked on my family and friends, I realized that they weren't going to change either. And here I am at my deathbed. And I realized if only I had changed myself, then by example, Mm. I may have been able to influence my family and friends. You know, and and to me, this is, and then it goes on to the community, and and yeah. the, and and then, and I think you know that's what you find in cemeteries, and that's what our our people, that's what the history our people give us when they do die, if they do leave us a message, or they they leave a book, or you know, like life is fleeting. You just mm. you realize that you know I'm 54 this year. And I think, oh, my gosh, where did that go? Where did those 54 years go? My children are all grown up. And yours, you know, Kimmy, I remember when you came to Australia, you had babies, you know, and how long ago was Bali? And how long ago did our loved ones die? And it feels like, to me, a blink of the eye. Mm. Even though I miss them, I still think it just happened yesterday. Yeah. So. And what about that beautiful, I, I don't know it off by heart, but that beautiful Mother Teresa quote, um, people are often illogical, self-centered, 
and um, unforgiving. Forgive them anyway. People will rip you down and try and tear you apart. Build anyway. Um, people will knock your dreams and your hopes. Dream anyway. And it carries on. It's got all these beautiful things. And then at the end it says, after all, it was between you and God and not them anyway. Mm. And I think that's, oh, that's such cute. a beautiful... beautiful. I, I wish I'd read, got it prepared. I was trying to find Google on your phone and oh. I couldn't find it. Oh. Um, it's 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 perfect. But it's such a beautiful yeah. thing that whatever our interpretation of life and or death is, I still think the gift that we have to be here, the one body we get given is such a gift. And it's not until you have that body or that health taken away from you, you realize what a gift it is. Or you might be annoyed with your family or your partners, but it's not until they go that you realize that that was all incidental. Um, and I think sitting here in a cemetery, um, looking <laughs> around <laughs> at the stories, but I'm just thinking if I was a film script writer yeah. or an author of, of fantasy books or things, I would sit at a grave and I would see a whole lot of stories just yeah. in that one oh, family. Yeah. So yeah, like the family that uh, that you just read that out. That I about. just read out to you guys at four. And there's a big black gravestone over there that I think we need to go and read because okay. that looks like it's got a whole big story. <gasps> oh, on it. it does, doesn't it? Yeah, look with at pictures. That. It doesn't look like it's that old, so that would be quite interesting. Yeah. Are they kung fu pictures? Anyway, well, I think at 43 years of age, you might also need glasses, but um... Um, <laughs> be nice. And it's, and it's 44. <laughs> I was being nice then. I was being very nice. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed this podcast this week. It's been quite a fascinating experience for all of us. It's been quite melancholic though. Like I feel very, I I feel actually, I feel very blissed out. Mm -hmm. I feel very cool, calm, blissed out. And it's fabulous because it is so very quiet. So now we're just going to go and sit and meditate in the quietnessity Mm. of the cemetery. Ooh, there's an experience to put down. Now you can really say you've lived, Kimmy. Mm. So let us know your thoughts on today's podcast. Tell us everything that you're thinking, everything that you're feeling, and if you've experienced anything similar or if you've visited a cemetery lately. What did you experience? Do you know people that have passed? And what's the difference in terms of the feeling or the experience that you've had when they've been buried or cremated? Or where would you like to be be buried? Where would you like to have your final parts laid? Let us know. Fill us in. This is the one thing that actually does unite us all is birth and death. So let, let us know. So go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and you can post your comments there or you can also post your comments on allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And while you're here on iTunes, make sure that you give us a five-star rating and tell everybody that you know about us. And think about going to our website, which is Awaken the Change Within. Dot com and check out our three-day live retreat and you definitely don't want to miss that one we're going deep down the rabbit hole on all things nutrition movement and mindset so go and check it out and we're going to see you here right here at the same time same station same place on up for a chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world we'll see you on the rise Hi, Dr. Brett Hill here from The Wellness Guys and That Paleo Show. Crown Melbourne will be pumping on August the 16th and 17th when this year's Wellness Summit arrives. Last year's event was a hit with attendees with Kelly L saying she was thoroughly inspired and Jen F saying she learnt so much amazing information I think my brain is close to exploding. Deborah labelled it inspiring and empowering and Stephen felt very enlightened and enthused. If this sounds like you, then join myself and the other Wellness Guys, the Up For A Chat girls, Joe Witten from Thermomix and more than 600 people from across the globe as they descend on Crown Melbourne for this year's Wellness Summit. Tickets are just $2.97 and are available at www.thewellnesssummit.com. Can't wait to see you there. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.